Nothing changes instantaneously. In a gradually heating bathtub, you'd be boiled to death before you knew it. Our Father, who art in heaven. Seriously? What the actual fuck? Gilead doesn't care about children. Gilead cares about power. Why does healing have to be the only goal? Why can't we be as furious as we feel? For whatever man sows, so shall he reap. Welcome to Above the Garage. Hi, friends. We have such a fun interview for you today. Our new buddy, Dara, came to chill with us, the drawer of the Handmaid's Tale storyboards, as well as so many awesome shows and movies, including Shining Girls, Game of Thrones, Saw Spiral, It, and many more. Hope you enjoy our chat with him as much as we did. Good morning. Hi. Hi. Hi how are you? Awesome. You guys are uh, from all over the world. Is that correct? We're an international conglomerate. <laughs> no, uh, Kimberly is from Australia. I'm in Philly. And Violet is our editor, by the way. Uh, you usually talk to me or Kimberly on social media, but here's Violet. She's awesome. Hey. Yeah, because I, uh, I'm not a morning person at all. So like, I'm like... Uh... Me neither. Mm-hmm. Actually, that's true of everybody here. Yeah, it is. Definitely. I can attest to the other two not being morning people either. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Kimberly can hide it because in Australia, you know, when she wakes up at like noon, it's like midnight for me and I'm not paying attention to the time, but she's the least morning person, I think. <laughs> yeah. And don't mind me. I'm going to be chugging coffee this whole time and a giant bottle of water here. So Same. It's okay. That's all right. <laughs> we all get that. I have Red Bull, so. Oh, you have a Red Bull? I have that too. I didn't want to show. I was too embarrassed. Oh my God. It's sugar-free too. Twins. You're my people. Yeah. I know. They're actually amazing. I drink them at work all the time. (laughs) It's so mad for you, but. I have officially quit. Kimberly thinks, but here I am outing myself. I know. What the (laughs) fuck? You're supposed to quit that. (laughs) I'm I'm doing a lot better, but. I used to bring those into the Handmaid's Tail office. You know, I would bring like, I'd buy like a bag and it would be like six Red Bulls and they would just sit in my desk drawer. (laughs) How do you oh. feel when you buy the six? I feel so judged by the cashier. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I do it anyway. Occasionally I say it's not all for today, even if it is, but <laughs> no. I feel very judged. You're going to have a heart attack next podcast. It's kind of shameful. Yeah, it's very shameful. I'm glad it's not just me. At least it's sugar free, though, right? Yeah. No, I think that makes it worse. Yeah, I think that makes it worse. If I could rewind, <laughs> I would go. Probably. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> it's not something I'm proud of. But anyway, thank you. I'm glad that you're one of my people. You you were traveling recently too, right? Yeah. So um, I was in Thailand and Singapore for like six weeks. It felt like you were there for a long time for your pictures. It looked awesome. It was incredible. Uh, I've been to Thailand before, but Singapore, that place is like 75 years in the future. It's like the architecture, the it's the cleanest place in the world. Uh, there's no crime. Yeah, you feel mm-hmm. super safe walking down the streets at any hour. It was unbelievable and amazing climate as well. Yeah, and like every skyscraper, if you build a skyscraper there, you have to uh, replace the same square footage uh, of the nature that you destroyed to build the building. That's so, so smart. They reserve like four or five floors and they build a rainforest. Like every building has a rainforest within it. It's it's absolutely crazy. That's incredible. Uh, that is cool. Little nerd fact there. 
No, no, no. That's a very important fact. Wow. I wish everyone did that. I literally never heard that, but I have heard how amazing Singapore is. So I need more Asia. I went to China once. I would definitely recommend it. Yeah. And they have fantastic restaurants, like the food, you know, of course. I Even when I was in, um, I really like Thai food, but when I was in Hawaii, which is just like not even that close to Thailand, but like closer, I was at a Thai restaurant <laughs> and they were like, how spicy would you like this on a scale from one to 10? And I literally said, I think, either three or four and it, mm-hmm. it was inedibly spicy to it's spicy as fuck yeah american like yeah. i think yeah. i forced it down but it was misery absolutely oh my god yeah their, their version of spicy is yeah when you're there especially for like six weeks you get so acclimated to it like i absolutely love spicy food yeah. now and then when i come here it's like not even close to the level of spice that it's required I mean, now. Yeah. <laughs> the palate. Yeah. You have to actually move to Asia now to please your palate. Actually, that's a plan for me personally. Is it? Because you could, right? I mean, everyone's working remote nowadays. Uh, we all have Zoom. Mm-hmm. And uh, the cost of living there is, you know, far less expensive than, say, a place like Toronto. It's yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. And you guys have crazy public transportation there with people wielding weapons, right? Oh, in Toronto? Yeah, it's like yes. uh, total, like, part of my language, but it's like, it kind of, kind of turned into a shithole, you know? It's like 1970s uh, New York here. Yeah, I don't know what happened. Well, it was probably the pandemic or something. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, America's got that too. I mean, I'm not, I wasn't going to say anything. I, mean, oh, yeah. all, I live in Philly, so. It's everywhere. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, well, the one place you won't find that is, you know, Singapore or even Thailand, actually. It's very uh, safe there. Yeah. You know, they have transit there as well, like sky trains, and they are absolutely like immaculate. Mm, People yeah. are super friendly, super helpful. Uh, I yeah, I don't want to hype it too much. I'm pretty hyped. <laughs> We're all buying plane tickets like right now. Well, and they're they're going to do White Lotus in Thailand next, right? You should hop on that project, sir. Yeah, I've never I've never seen this show personally. No, it's good. That's why we I went to Italy. So maybe we will be in Thailand next year. You have a very cool studio, sir. Yeah, you do. Thank you. Um, yeah, my uh, girlfriend, she she sees like a blank wall she she like feels the need to uh paint like giant murals and on Un- unblanking it <laughs> abstractions on the wall you know so i just let her do what she wants that's really cool my yeah. sister-in-law takes photos like that like angles of like buildings and things and they're very cool she's got a wall like that and it's i like it very cool I was wondering if you just worked for a company that did this or you worked out of your home or if you actually went to the handmaid's office for like handmaid's drawings. Um, so I'm, I'm like my own company, basically. Uh, okay. I thought so from your website. The only employee as well. So I, yeah, I definitely work in the studio. I don't always work in the studio. Um, usually the beginning of the season, uh, we'll, we'll have our prep phase and I come into the studio and I'll be there set up. Like with my, I have my own office there in the art department now and mm. I will be there for the first maybe half of the season and I'll work out of the studio. And then um, usually, you know, once everything is kind of like locked down and I'll, I'll move back home and I'll just work from home and I'll come in like twice or three times a week to do meetings with like the director. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's the best of both worlds. Yeah. I, I kind of have a flex thing going on and um, that's mainly due to COVID. That's where the flex thing started. Yeah. We had to wear masks even in our offices. So if you have an office and you share it with someone, which I did, you have to wear a mask the, the entire like 12 hours that you're there every day. Mm-hmm. So it gets a little like it's I'm trying to draw like, you know, 40 storyboards. You know, these are like intense drawings. I'm sitting there. I'm like deadlines. Oh, my God. And I'm wearing this yeah. mask like I can't concentrate. I can't breathe. I need lots of oxygen. 
And when I work at home, yeah, I can get up and I can walk around and get a coffee. You can do that there too, but you have the mask thing and it, it was just getting uh, in the way of my productivity, I felt. Yeah. So, you got to be comfortable. Yeah, yeah. That's the perk from of uh, like working from home. Working you know, from home. Know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Working without pants on is my main perk. <laughs> pants free. <laughs> she is odd about that. I wouldn't even ask her if she has pants on right now. I have them on today. I'm, I'm being respectful. Oh, For the interviews? Okay. Yeah. That's nice. Let me go all out. <laughs> Like season four, I was there every single day in the in the studio or in the I call it the studio, but really it's like a production office with mm. a bunch of offices. There's like a bullpen in the middle. I love I love working in the office. Um, everybody's it's like the best art department I've ever worked with on this yeah, show. Cool. We're all friends cool. outside of work. We all keep in touch, and uh, it's just a great vibe there. It's a surprising vibe to be honest. Like I've been on since the very beginning of the show, but. Just like mm-hmm. the lightheartedness, you know, the the spirit of the show. Like everyone is just always in a good mood. We're always laughing and joking around. That's awesome. And you contrast that with the show's content, which is like yeah. ultra dark and like. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it, that's kind of cool. It, we have a really cool, pleasant vibe there, and uh, for the most part, it's it's a great place to work. Let me put it that way. Yeah, that's, cool. that's awesome. I wonder if masks will persist throughout the next indefinitely. <laughs> I guess they probably will. But. I think it's going to be an indefinite thing. Uh, if COVID exists in the world, which it will, uh, productions are going to force mask wearing because you know you can't have the actors getting sick, right? Because that right. shuts everything down. If they are not able to work, everything is shut down. If I get sick, no, it doesn't matter. Even if like certain department heads get it, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. But you can't let the talent get it, unfortunately. Yeah. I saw that you go to, do you do like a lot of Comic-Con type events and stuff like that? Oh, I absolutely do. Like uh, on my own free time, I do a lot of different things like within the art space. So Mm -hmm. I'm a nerd. I was raised on comic books and graphic novels. And like one of my like goals in life was to be a graphic novelist or a comic book artist. And Mm -hmm. uh, so one day my friend, he's an author. His name is Luke Henderson. He, He approaches me with this like script. And he's just like, do you want to make a comic? And I'm like, let's go. And I just sat there for two months. I was like in between jobs. I was like freelance. And I just drew like a 120 page graphic novel in like two months, like feverishly in my studio. Wow. So we like, and we, we put it out there. We, we got a publisher and um, so now we just go to cons and we support that book. And then when I have free time, I uh, continue the story and I'm adding more chapters to that comic book series. Cool. That's amazing. What's it called? It's called Our War. Like collectively our war you know and it's a right actually has a lot of parallels to handmaid's tale um this was written way back in like the early 2010s so it's just a coincidence to do a comic book about like revolutions and like anarchy in the streets and the chaos and then i pivot to the show that is about you know similar themes it's very convenient for me so you're the expert now on that and then i have like a bunch of other books i'm writing and i'm gonna put out there like down the road so yeah, we do the conventions and I just, we, you know, we sell the books and uh, we have a lot of fun. We just get to meet fellow comic book nerds and um, yeah, it's great. Are there any like weird people like throwing like flowers at you and shit like that? <laughs> when I think of like comic con, sometimes I think of like, you know, random people like just being in love with you and like standing in line and being like, oh my God, Sabby. <laughs> my wish. I w- if I had like lineups of people wanting, like, you know, they wear those fur costumes and like, yeah, yeah. Um, that would be, that would like make my day. That'd be like, 
<laughs> when you're talking about costumes, have you ever been to Dragon Con in Atlanta? Do you know of this? I have not. Violet asked everybody this and she hasn't gotten a yes yet. <laughs> I'm going to go for you. <laughs> I love Dragon Con. It's so cool. It's it's like a fantasy sci-fi convention that also has like tons of COD playing and there's comics and stuff there too. So, um, but yeah, when you said costumes, it's like, I think it's one of the biggest for cosplay. So you just kind of mm. walk around the street and like every second person is wearing like an elaborate costume. It's pretty cool. Yeah. My brother <laughs> lives for Comic-Con in San Diego. He lives in San Diego and it's the highlight of his year every year. I cannot get him to dress up and it really annoys me. Any chance to dress up, I think you should. I love San Diego, by the way. That's a, a great city too. Oh my God, it's beautiful. Mm. I'm biased. I was born there. I don't live there now, but I should because it is the best, the best city. Do you sell prints and stuff at Comic-Con that people can buy? Yeah, um, I used to. You know what? I probably should uh, start doing that again. I mean, I used to have this huge pile of prints. It's like all nerd fan art. Yeah. Batman prints that I, that I would draw. And then like I would, uh, I had like a whole bunch of different characters, like pop culture characters. And like, it's just a good way to make some extra money to cover your costs. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I do... Um. I did that in the past and lately I haven't been bringing the prints. So yeah, you know what? That's a good idea. Maybe I'll start doing that. There you go. Yeah. I'm giving you an idea. I mean, sale prints, right? Like do June Osborne <laughs> holding like a machine gun. We're all getting our wallets out. So we're ready. Yeah. We totally buy one. <laughs> Absolutely. Can you sell handmade ones? I was just going to ask. Yeah. Like legally, can you, right? Yeah. Um, I believe I can. Um, there are like certain fair use copyrights, I believe. So if I were to sell a handmaid's tail print, uh, I think I can get away with it. I, I would probably ask the people on the show. Yeah. Better to beg forgiveness than ask permission. And <laughs> <laughs> me tail related merch with my artwork yeah, on it. Exactly. But I like the poster from your book. It's so cool. The poster behind you. Oh, that's from my book. Yeah. I love that. I've seen other storyboards for other shows and yours are like so far superior. Yeah. Yours, yours are amazing. I really appreciate that. I put a lot of effort uh, into them, you know? Yeah. I mean, like when I started the show, I was strictly working with the directors like Mike Barker and Colin Watkinson. Those are my like two. Uh, yeah. I would work yeah, with well. them all the time. Like we were, we were like still friends. The legends. Yeah. They're the goats. They're my friends. Oh, like I've great. worked on, uh, you know, Luck uh, Lucky's Girl Live. They brought me on for Oh, that. Lucky's Girl Live. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I worked on Mike's show that he shot in Israel called Pin Run for Netflix. Oh, yeah. Cool. So he brought me on for that show as well. Zoe White uh, was the DP. Oh, yeah. She's amazing. She's amazing. Yeah. yeah she's she's awesome. And uh, she wanted me on another one of her shows as well. Yeah, pretty much everyone on the show, every director or DP, I've worked I've worked with them on other uh, shows they've done. Well, that's a good compliment. Sam. Yeah, that's huge. On Shining Girls with Lizzie. Yeah. She brought me on for Shining Girls. I worked with Dana Reed like twice. I worked with her on Shining Girls 2. I worked out with her on uh, Run, Rabbit Run. Oh, yeah, with Sarah Snook, right? movie that she filmed in Australia. That's awesome. I think an editor from Handmaid's Tale or some of the other crew maybe worked on Crimes of the Future with you. Is that right? You know what? That actually would make sense. Uh, Wendy is the editor that I know from Handmaid's Tale. She's yeah. the, the lead editor. Yeah, we Yay, love her. Wendy. So I know, I know Wendy. She's phenomenal. And, uh, but yeah, uh, they called me uh, Carol Spear. She actually emailed me personally. And I was like, is this like a fake email? Just like a... <laughs> 
a catfish or something. I'm like, because like, she's like, <laughs> you know, all the way back to like Videodrome and like Scanners. She's yeah. been David Cronenberg's uh, production designer. So getting just a random email from her. That's that so really cool. cool. That yeah. movie was crazy. I just watched it for the first time like two days ago. Coincidentally, I didn't realize that you'd worked on it and then saw you worked on it. And I was like, whoa, oh, yeah. the designs were like so wild. Did you actually come up with some of that? Like yourself, you came up with the concepts, right? Yeah, actually, I um, I designed the, the sets with Carol. Oh, wow. Okay. You know, I kind of do a lot. Of, I'm kind of like a generalist or like I'm almost like an anarchist. Like one project I'm storyboarding. The next project I'm doing like set design, paintings and stuff. Hmm. And then another project awesome. I'm doing something completely different. Like I just, I don't like to be pigeonholed. Like I have a lot of different nerdy interests in film <laughs> and i've been very lucky like i've gone to kind of pursue a wide a range of uh roles i guess you could say but for crimes of the future i was designing like you know his uh his room with like his bed the alien looking bed yeah yeah I, like i like sat there for like three weeks uh doing like 20 different paintings of that room and wow. it was evolving we were changing things we were adding windows adding like uh ventilation and like pipes and like different textures in the walls and then i also worked on the theater performance room there's like uh broken tvs in the background where he's put doing his live the live surgeries yeah the mm -hmm. live surgeries yeah so i worked on that many permutations of that set as well and those were like major set pieces of the movie and i was yeah. very proud to have that's awesome. I did a couple other things as well. And that's yeah, great. Carol was uh, a dream to work for. Congrats on the award too. We saw you, you won, it was a director's guild. Was that for the crew that worked on that or? It's the DGC winner of the year for best directorial effort, which goes to Cronenberg, right? David Cronenberg. But then they gave me an award. So I guess maybe I'm just included because I was considered, I had major contribution to the, to the picture. Right. Yeah. So they, they Kind of lumped me in with that. I don't really know how it works, but like I'll take the award. Like, why not? It's awesome. <laughs> and it's a great movie. Yeah. Is that Cannes definitely. Film Festival? It opened the festival. So, you know. Amazing. I mean, designing those sets, honestly, it is kind of like a character in the in the movie, you know? So you're kind of doing directing, you're directing the the way that it's gonna play. So yeah. Absolutely. And like the lighting as well. That's awesome. Congrats. Thank you. Yeah. It was a great experience. I'll just put it that way. I was very curious, do you draw on a computer? I do a bit of both. When I'm working on The Handmaid's Tale, I typically draw everything on a computer, but mm -hmm. I'll do a first pass and it'll be on paper, little tiny thumbnail drawings mm -hmm. on pencil. And then I'll like go over with ink and then I'll show it to, uh, like say back in the day, I used to do this a lot with Barker and I would show mm -hmm. him, him and Colin and then they'd be like, ah, that's rubbish. That's, that's amazing. <laughs> that. And like, you know. And then I, what I'll do is I'll take the thumbnail little drawings, I'll scan them, and then I'll just redraw them in Photoshop, like, you know, and I'll make them like hyper detailed. That's, that's kind of my process. It's very simple. You know, I just draw them in Photoshop, but like my, my, the difference between me and like on this show and other shows is like, I, I put a, like a lot of detail into the boards, like probably far more than necessary. Yeah. Each storyboard is almost like a concept art piece in itself. It's like a keyframe, right? Like, yeah. I had, like all the mm -hmm. lighting effects, you know, in the early days, I didn't have any contact with the art department. It was just me and the directors or, or uh, the DPs, right? We'd always sit in a room and we would work together and I didn't have any references from the art department. So I would have to make up everything. If there's huh. Gilead Humvee in the background with a machine gun, I would find my own references and I would design it, right? And if there's an architectural thing in the background, I design it. Wow. And then some of that actually did start bleeding into the art department where they would look at the boards so they would kind of inform their designs sometimes. Right. Mm -hmm. It's like season one and two. Yeah. So I had, a, I did have like a, 
pretty big impact on creating the world. That's amazing. Yeah. And, and like, you know, I've always been that way. Like I just kind of like to push it as, you know, I, I get like tunnel vision and obsessive and I just try to make each board look, you know, I want it to look like a, you're looking at a film strip yeah. and holding it up to a light source. You're literally yeah. watching the movie because that's what storyboarding really is. It's the first look at the, the movie or the show. Yeah. It's a very important um, step in the process of making something because you know yeah. what, how many lights you're going to need. You know the, how many extras, the VFX, you know, there's so much uh, logistical planning that has to be done and storyboards are like a massive help for that. Right. So do you, you get the script and then draw like how you envision it and then show the director and then you guys work together or how does that kick off sort of? On other shows, yes. I, I actually pitch a lot. They give me a lot of free reign to uh, come up with things like sequences or like, you know, what I would do personally. Like they're like, yeah, go go nuts. On Handmaid's Tale, it's a little bit, I'm, I'm much more of like a, a tool. They kind of dictate what they want uh-huh. and then I will draw it. I'll send them the first pass and then we'll, you know, continue to go back and forth and tweak things. Right. But, you know, it's, it's, it's almost like an auteur show where each director they bring in because they have like a very uh, high uh, visual acuity, I guess you could say. Yeah, they do. Like mm-hmm. they, they, they just, they understand visual storytelling and framing. Right. So each director they bring in, they, they, they usually come from indie, the indie world. They've done their own indie films. Mm-hmm. So they, they kind of know what they want. And yeah. um, that saves a lot of time. So I, I, I really just kind of draw what they tell me to draw. Mm-hmm. I will add in my own flourishes here and there. And right. uh, that's usually how it works. Cool. But on like other things, I've had directors, yeah, like they've had, they've given me like 30 pages and they're just like, oh, nuts, like just <laughs> come up with a cool action sequence and then I'll, yeah. I'll do that. And then they'll sometimes they'll shoot it one to one and I'm like, holy shit, like, yeah, that's awesome. this is exactly how, what I, how I drew it. And they like, they shot it and it's been edited to the timing that I had in my head. Oh my God. Well, I think it'd be hard to, you know, they bring in new directors so much that mm-hmm. I would think that you would have to adjust your working style with yeah. new directors, but. I'm sure everyone's cool. It just seems very challenging. Mm-hmm. It can be challenging, um, but I, I I don't know. I get along with like literally everyone on the show. Like I have great yeah rapport, great relationships with everybody. Yeah, but especially the directors. Yeah. yeah, that's the thing about this show. Everybody's amazing. Like literally. So yeah, they did good hiring. Oh yeah. Everybody has that same comment that we speak to about how good the relationships are. Yeah. And, uh-huh. Yeah. Going back to the question about you drawing on the computer, do you draw with like those cute little pen things or do you use a mouse yeah like this stylus Stylus. yeah Yeah. oh uh, yeah do you have um any scenes that you've done like really elaborate storyboards or like you feel like oh i did really great on that and then they didn't end up filming the scene or are you usually getting it at the point where it's pretty locked in Hmm. that's a good question i mean (laughs) there yeah there have been scenes that were cut mostly it's like something will come up regarding the budget mm-hmm. or like, you know, we'll, we'll design a huge sequence and it's like, that's, it's just not realistic for the budget or the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we'll have to scale things down. That, that happens a lot. I mean, like that happens in every TV show, right? right? Yeah. Yeah. I think we heard from Eva Viva as the director for 505 and 506 last season that maybe there was supposed to be a downed helicopter in no man's land and it would have been cool, but it was prohibitively expensive, which makes sense. It sounds very expensive. Oh, I, I, I did this like crazy animation uh, and it was like of this like crashed helicopter in no man's land. And they, they yeah. Passed it and I spent like probably like a day and a half on it. And it was like animated. Like I did like rain effects and like they're driving and it's like Luke Moira. And oh, cool. so it looks, it, it looked really cool. It was like, like something for maybe later I can, or maybe handmaids themselves can post it. The official 
account or something. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the, you know, we, we're always trying different things. We're, we're throwing things at the wall. Like Chicago, for instance, uh, during in season four, like I had done these like crazy concept paintings of like destroyed cities right it was like last of us meets like terminator 2 judgment day just like epic <laughs> june walking around like a tiny little figure and there's like moss everywhere yeah no pun intended <laughs> and, like overgrowth and like you know burning barrels and flipped over police cars and like you know shattered buildings like it looked insane but uh i remember we had a meeting once and we were like reviewing this stuff and like one of the set deck set deck lead he just looks at this he's like well like, what the fuck he's like this is absolutely like insane <laughs> he, he like like the artwork but right the right. logistics <laughs> of pulling something like that off even with vfx yeah. would be impossible right yeah. and it was kind of disappointing because it's like if, if that would have taken the show to like a whole new level mm-hmm. i still think it, they absolutely nailed it like the chicago episodes were fantastic yeah mm-hmm. too bad they can't just like cut to animations and just show your, you know, like just in the middle of the show, of yeah. the show, be like, this is what I we like wish that. we could have done. Here's an animated sequence by our artist. Drop a little green screen June. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I mean, this was like $200 million budget looking environments. It was um, a little way too ambitious. No reason not to be ambitious. I'm glad you tried. <laughs> do you um do a lot of the animated drawings then as well as the stills or? I mean, um, like, I'm just a weirdo. Like, I'll be real with you. Like, I'll, I'll do a good concept painting that I'm really proud of. Or, and, like, I like the, the mood and vibe of it. And then I want to, like, sell it. Like, I really sell it. So I'll start animating on, like, I'll take the flat image that I've drawn. I'll put it into, like, After Effects, which is, like, a program for animating. Yeah. And I'll start adding rain effects. And then I'll start adding, like, little transitions. I'm like, well, there needs to be a shot before that, of course. And then there needs to be a shot after that. <laughs> so then I'll just start adding things, like, on my own time. All of the time I'll do this, like, on lunch or after work it's for fun trying to upsell them also just because i'm a nerd and i love <laughs> yeah and like I'm, I'm a director also like i directed animation before and i've uh awesome i actually directed two animated like feature-length films way back for amazon studios it was a crazy contest oh nice i just I, I like to tinker with stuff i like to be a nerd and i like to like just sell the vibe you know any way i can yeah yeah it's great that you enjoy it that much. We're big fans of nerds here, so. Uh-huh. I fit right in with you guys. There you go. Perfect. Yay. <laughs> That's the great thing about the show. Like, you know, uh, you know, Fred's casket in the funeral sequence is draped with that like blanket. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. It's like a coat of arms for the Waterford family, you know, or whatever. So yeah. I, 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 I got to design that. That's a prop. That's mm. amazing. That was so cool. Yeah. I painted it and it was all like velvety. And then I gave it to uh, Liam, who is our uh, graphics. He's one of our graphics guys. And he, I shared my office with him and then he like turns it into a vector. They send it off and then it, it came back printed and it was like this gigantic canvas and it was like on crushed velvet. Yeah. Wow. And it had like metal uh, embroidery. It was it was nuts. Yeah. That's really, really cool. cool. I remember um, Mary on Instagram, Mary Proppen. I do like her name. Yes. Mary. <laughs> she yeah. posted the. Um, she was like oversaw it. Yeah. It looked awesome. Yeah. yeah it turned out beautifully. It looked great on camera. Uh, yeah. I bet she loves you. I feel like you do some work of other people just because you like it. Like, like, oh, he did this yeah, for like us that's, already. That's what I'm getting at. Like my what I do yeah. it leads into other areas, and yeah. um, I'm like I'm kind of an anarchist. Like I said, like I, I I started there with no contact with the art department, so I would just overstep my bounds. Yeah. And then eventually, I get absorbed into the art department uh, full time, and then I'm still doing shit like that. You know? Might as well move him in here. Yeah, and yeah. I'm just like I want to do that. Like I just because I want to. Like I just. I think it'd be cool to just do a graphic today. Can I just do it, design a graphic or something? And sometimes they'll let me. And 
I just do general shit, you know? But like, I'm always worried, like, am I stepping on toes here? Cause like, I know like, once again, film, you stay in your lane. Yeah. You keep your head down. And I'm just like, flailing all over the place can I, can I draw that or can I I'm going to animate something would, would you like to see like I'm just really I don't know. it sounds way more fun I got a lot of manic energy you know I'm sitting there yeah when did you enter the art department you said you were in your own office before season that was season four. Oh, not till four okay when I became like full-time embedded yeah but before yeah. that I was always uh, freelance so I'd be like two weeks on one week off two weeks on one week off gotcha. only with the directors only with the cinematographer producer blah blah yeah <laughs> if I were making a show I would want you on it so yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sounds amazing. Well, I appreciate that. And you know, I get I'm getting some like crazy uh offers lately for like these some crazy projects. That's awesome. Congratulations. Please tell us. We're very nosy. He's not gonna tell you. I can say that there, on the horizon, there's one film that's gonna be coming in a few years. Mm-hmm. I can't give you any details, but it's gonna be like two talents that you would never expect. They're they're gonna at least two worlds colliding. Ooh. That's exciting. You would never expect it. But now that you see them working together or like you can conceptualize them working together, it makes like perfect sense. So much it's sense. absolutely going to be like, like fucking gangbusters. Like I like ah. old timey terms. Yeah. So I'll say like gangbusters. Like, it's gangbusters. <laughs> but the meeting of these two talents, the, the the convergence is absolutely incredible. It's like the film gods have like shone <laughs> their sunlight on us. Like I'm so oh, starved no. for good cinema. And this movie yeah. that's coming down the pipe, I may be involved, maybe. Um, I can't give you any information other than that, but it's going to be <laughs> like phenomenal. That's very exciting. If you're though. like a cinema fan, like love cinema. I'm going to spend the next two years like yes. trying to figure I'm out. I'm going to let it go. Is. Looking at every movie, trying to see, is that the two? Is it? I'm <laughs> yeah. a little bit annoyed because she will never stop now that you've said this. She's going to be talking to me about <laughs> like all day long, every day. Like I figured, I think I know, so you know what it is. <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. I'm very excited. It sounds really fun. Yeah, if you if you even have it like a, a little bit of a hint about what it is, like then you know what I'm talking about. It's like it's like we're on a game show that's gonna last two years, and you're gonna have to tell us the answer <laughs> yes. when it comes out. You were incorrect. Now this is exciting though, because you know the show is gonna end sometime soon, and there is something exciting coming later. So yay! Like that's even exciting. if I wasn't involved in this as a film fan, like. As a cinema lover, I would be, it would be my most anticipated film just because of the people involved. Um, And it's the potential of what they could create. Um, That's all I can else. I can't say anything more. My brain might explode. I'm very excited. Now I'm feeling like Kimberly. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. I wanted to know if you have a very favorite storyboard that you've made for Handmaids or any that really stand out to be your favorites. Ooh, that is a good question. Thank you. I don't know how much you guys know about my role on the show, but you know, you've seen my posts on Instagram. These are just tiny little snippets. Yeah. Just Mm -hmm. they're like one tenth of a percentage of like the boards that I've done for the show. I've probably drawn like 20,000 boards at this point. Whoa. It's so hard because I've, I've worked on like literally every, any sequence that's like a major sequence that's shot on location mm-hmm. if it has a vfx if it has a, a like you know june running running down the street or you know anything like i've worked on like pretty much everything every episode i've worked on something we need a book we need a book of this yes, yes. We do need a book. but it blows my mind that one person could even do every episode mm-hmm. in a season i would think it would be like directing where you do it in blocks because it must be so time consuming mm-hmm. it's incredible what a cool job I-, I work really fast too like i'm not trying to like toot my own horn here but like i'm, I'm pretty Toot it 
I'm known <laughs> as being very fast for the quality of the output that I do. How long does it take you to do like a scene? Oh, uh, it, it, it really depends. Yeah, I guess it depends on the content of the scene, right? Yeah. One day, sometimes yeah. it's three days. Oh, that's fast though. That's incredible. The, the most I think it, it took was like, I think five days for one scene. And that was like, I think the Washington Monument took that much. Oh, yeah. I okay. sat there with wow. like, Stuart Biddlecombe and um, that was like Stuart Biddlecombe's first day on the job. Wow. Just having Jesus. to plan out the Washington Monument. Washington? That is yeah. wild. You're basically like a pre-editor. You know, you're like editing before anything exists. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's so interesting. I sat with him and the director, Derva hmm. Walsh and Stuart Biddlecombe. I'm sitting with them. It's like the first day on the job. They had just arrived. And so then we had to plan out this entire sequence. I'm sitting with them and like I did like crazy boards for it. And then they pass that along to the production and then everyone gets to take a look. And then they go and they make, you know, they start designing stuff and they start, uh, you know, doing previs because they had to do like digi doubles of the crowds. But yeah, like that's where mm-hmm. it started. Like it was us drawing this crazy ass, like uh, like it was like a Nuremberg rally. It was very like World War II, yeah. you know, like um, Germany or like say uh, the Soviet Union, like a giant military parade kind of vibe. Like it was very, uh, very crazy to work on that. It's unforgettable, yeah. that episode. I mean, that was cool. It's crazy that you drew it first. There's so many scenes though. I mean, like I liked working on anything with Barker was always a lot of fun just because mm-hmm. our rapport hanging out like yeah. we wouldn't even work in the office most of the time it'd be me mike barker and colin Watkinson at mike's house Aww, on a sunday awesome. morning i would come over he'd make his breakfast and then by like <laughs> 11 a.m he would like you know it's drinking time we'd start having beer we'd be storyboarding <laughs> while having beers and like just sitting around like we always be like talking about film and shooting the shit that's cute and just like joking around like yeah they're, they're amazing and then you know, about like 9 p.m. Then like I would I'd call an Uber home because like I would just Uber. There. I knew all like if I'm going to go there, we're going to be having yeah, like, yeah. afternoon beer. <laughs> I know what's happening here. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, like I'll, I'll be more recent. Like, OK, season four where Fred is in the woods with Nick and June. Yeah. And like that turned out beautifully. It was Liz Garbus who directed that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That is a favorite of ours. It's beautifully shot. Yeah. Like, you know, uh, Nick and June start making out and he's just looks at them and he's just like, what the fuck? That's fucking <laughs> sick. And I'm watching this and I started crying with laughter. Like that reaction was so funny to me. Like, yeah. It's so good. That's like my favorite moment in the show is delivery. You know, it was it's so good. Oh my God. Did you draw the kiss? Cause I thought that was a like day of improv. No, you drew it? Oh, it's in there. Good for you. There's like an ultra uh, close-up, you know, like macro lens in their mouth. Yeah, as as we saw it. That's awesome. Yeah, it's it's all there. So you drew it first. Thank you, sir. Even his reaction, he's just like this. I know his face. Yes. <laughs> we give you credit. That was an amazing moment in television history. And I'm not taking credit. Any, it's always the director who gets the credit. I mean, my wallet is out for, for, these, for these storyboards right yeah, now. I want the storyboards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I imagine you have some of the colonies, but I've just we've just been rewatching um, oh, yeah. like those episodes, and like those would be so amazing, Eric. I have the colonies. I have everything. I think there's some on his Insta that I looked at, maybe. Okay, so let's get back to uh, my favorite stuff. Oh yeah, I'm still waiting. If you want to hear my opinion on my own <laughs> shit, you know. Yes. Yes. <laughs> like okay. This is the scene with like June getting uh, hit by the red pickup truck in like season five. Like I worked on that sequence, and like I love the way those boards turned out uh, when the guy tries to run her over. Right? Yeah. There's uh, oh the, the whole Dundas Square and the funeral. Oh, yeah. amazing! Yeah. We call those the super boards. Mm-hmm. So I'm working with Lizzie and um and Nicola. We're having these huge sessions for like hours and hours. And I have to say something about Lizzie. 
she is like going to be one of she's going to be an, an incredible like director like i think yeah. down yeah. the road she's going to be like winning awards she's a phenom like she's one of the most like coolest people you'll ever meet she's Aww. so like her clarity of vision and uh her notes and everything like as a director yeah uh, unbelievable i think she's wow. she's probably the best director that's ever been on the show that's amazing what a high compliment mm. for an actor right and she's new at directing yeah. yeah i've worked with like hundreds of directors like she's phenomenal and i'm not just kissing ass because she's my boss like she genuinely is like she, she some people just have it and uh, when she comes to a meeting, she has all this energy, but she's she's so pre- well prepared, fully prepared. And yeah. if like I'll email her the next day, I'm like, oh, I have a question about this sequence or this shot. She'll immediately respond, and they'll be like the per- like perfect notes, like not too many words, right. not too few. It'll, it, she just knows exactly how to articulate her thoughts. Like phenomenal. That's incredible. She's like it's, it's such a joy to work with with Lizzie, and yeah, I just had to. Uh, I wonder how many she'll direct this uh, this season. She'd probably direct all of them if she could. I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's impossible. Like. Physically- or she would probably yeah one of my favorites is definitely yeah the funeral like um the way you drew serena and in her coat like i remember seeing that on instagram i was like blown away i was like this is fucking awesome mm-hmm. oh thank you just excuse my french but you know uh, they look so good i mean you know when you're working with lizzie she brings out the best in everyone like I said, so like, you know, she tasked me with doing like the, the funeral and we're just hanging out. We're just like joking around and having fun. And like, I, I just want to give her like the best boards ever. She inspires. Yeah. It's a huge sequence. Yeah. She has, she hadn't uh, dealt with like a big, you know, production like that at, at this point, like huge, tons of extras. Like there's so much logistics. Once again, involved, you have all these cranes shots and drone shots. So like, I, I wanted to make it as like, you know, precise to her vision as possible. Mm-hmm. All credits to Lizzie for that. That's all her, that's me and her mind meld. We just sit there and like, we, we get it done, you know? I don't know. I love how you have the red as the only color. That's really cool. I do too, yeah. They're all so good. Although I do fault you for killing um, Beth and Sienna. Oh, the rooftop? Oh, no. <laughs> you should have refused to draw that. <laughs> okay, but the rain on the roof. It's so beautiful. <laughs> how do you draw rain like that? It just looks so real. That's like a secret. That's like a trade secret i can't share i'm sorry he's like a magician (laughs) (laughs) did you animate this one too with the rain effect i did not uh but you know what maybe i will just because i'm bored (laughs) (laughs) it'd be kind of cool yay so we it's it's a good time for us to just make requests is what you're saying absolutely he's working you're working on star trek right now right or have you not started yet that is correct. I've been on Star Trek for a few weeks. Uh, Star Trek Strange New World Season 3. So Awesome. This is kind of my home away from Handmaid. Handmaids. It's kind of the flip side. We got the dystopia with Handmaids, and then we go on to Star Trek, yeah. which is a utopia. Is it shot in Toronto? Or? It is shot in Toronto, yes. But uh, we actually may be getting shut down because of the WGA strike. It's very uncertain. Um, oh, yeah. If yeah. it can be averted, then we're, we're going to be going throughout the summer. It's going to be fantastic. And if there's a strike, then, you know, who knows what's going to happen. But uh, so far, so good. Star Trek Strange New Worlds is like a great show. Uh, I couldn't be happier to be working on that right now. Yeah. Nice. Are you a Star Trek of course i mean look at my like look at my office here i mean (laughs) i don't have any you know overtly star trekian artwork on the walls but yeah i'm a massive star trek fan since i was a kid you can tell can i ask you what's your like favorite movie 
One of them is The Dark Knight. Good pick. Very sad. I don't think I can watch Dark Knight anymore after Heath Ledger, can you? Oh, it's really sad. Yeah. I yeah. actually, I was actually one of the first people to see it because Heath Ledger's from where I'm from in Perth and they like screened it early for us. Oh, cool. I thought you were sleeping with him or something. More interesting. Oh, <laughs> no, that was, that would have been more interesting. Thanks. <laughs> no. Can I say a controversial opinion? Yes. Uh oh. The Dark Knight Rises is better than The Dark Knight and it's the best Batman movie ever made. Oh, That's yeah, I do like it. I do like it, but I won't I won't say it. I don't think it's better, but I do like I do really like them. Actually, I like all three of those movies with Christian Bale. I love Christian Bale, so like He's a, he's a, the best. He's definitely the best Batman, I think, in my opinion. Agree. I agree with that. I yeah. think I think Affleck's so underrated. Really? He would appreciate you saying that. I think yeah. he had the, the look of Batman. Isn't he like reprising his I think so. It's like in uh Oh, there's some other movie coming out that has like the Flash multiverse stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's like several Batmans mm. coming in. That's true. Yeah, Michael Keaton. Yeah. yeah, I almost worked on that too. I was yeah? supposed to oh. be on that movie. Yeah, because uh, it was it's directed by Andy Muschietti and uh, produced by Sister Barbara. And I'd worked with them on the It movies. So uh, mm. originally they were going to bring me on, but. They ended up shooting in uh, the UK, and there's different rules in the UK, like union rules. Oh, okay. so I, I, I unfortunately couldn't work on it, but uh, that would have been cool. That would have been a cool experience to work on a superhero movie. Mm-hmm. While we're talking about it briefly, did you work with Stephen King? Oh, yeah, that's a good question. He was involved uh, remotely. He came to set on It Chapter 2, mm-hmm. but I didn't get to meet him. I think it was already wrapped out by then. They were well into shooting. Yeah. yeah I never got to meet him, unfortunately. That would have been very cool. Stephen King gave the shout out to Shining Girls, right? He did. I believe so, yeah. Yeah. He did. He also commented on your honor. Yeah. He's a fan of The Handmaid's Tale, I believe, too. It, within the industry, like, there are a lot of fans of The Handmaid's Tale. Like, I think the Cronenberg is a huge fan. Um, I'm pretty sure Stephen King is a fan. Mm. Yeah. But yeah. There are a lot of people I know that when they find out, like, people I wouldn't expect. And then when they find out I worked on the show, they're like, I'm a huge fan of that show. And I was like, <laughs> oh, I didn't awesome. even know you, would, you watched it. Like, that's crazy yeah. to me. Like, yeah, there's a lot of... Uh, the Hollywood industry, like, I mean, it, there's no, it's it's uh, not a coincidence that after The Handmaid's Tale came out, you were seeing a lot of other streaming shows come out after that did have a, a similar look, like mostly cinematography wise. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were kind of borrowing a little bit from The Handmaid's Tale. I wouldn't say borrowing, maybe just inspired. Yeah, so good, so good. Handmaid's Tale is in the zeitgeist. It has been for a long time. Right. A cultural phenom. Indeed. Yes, definitely. Totally. Yeah, I told you guys I would go on tangents so. oh, we like it we can talk to you forever yeah we love tangents yeah you guys are super chill this is awesome i'm having a great time oh good Thank you. i'm a little like lost in these storyboards still i'm sorry i keep like reopening them and being like ah oh. <laughs> <laughs> this is what i'm gonna do with my day is just stare at these they're so good there are literally thousands more and they'll never see the light of day. They're all going to be like burned after season six. No, no. no. A book out. Seriously. <laughs> a, a, a what? Did you say a book? A book. Make more money. <laughs> People will pay. Yes, book. What? Can't hear you. A book. please a book that would be incredible i mean we would spend so much money on that how about like a coffee table book yes prestige format that's what we mean yeah one for like each season and they're like wide books yes that would be killer oh yeah one for each season never say never that's what I i will say never say never Never say never. Why not? It's it's just more money. It's all sitting there, right? All this material is just sitting there. Why not? Right. You know, it'd be a shame to never see the light of day. The fans would love it. Film aficionados would love it. And they did that book, the art and the making of The Handmaid's Tale. Like 
I bought it. I would 100% yeah. buy a storyboard mm-hmm. book. Like no doubt. It'd be awesome. Yeah. There's some of my storyboards are in that book, but uh, they forgot to credit me. I was like a little insulted. I'm like, oh, oh. But, that's uh, so rude. Time to make up for that then. I'll just say that, um, you know, me and Lizzie over the years, we've, we've, you know, I've worked on a couple of projects with her and, you know, yeah. maybe I, maybe I did mock up something and maybe I did send it to her. Maybe she was very receptive ah. of it. I'll just say that Lizzie is the coolest. That's all I'm going to say. Awesome. I mean, like one of the pitches, like this is a hypothetical in an alternate universe. Right. And this like crazy alternate universe. She writes the forward and like an introduction and she'll do some commentary throughout this hypothetical book that doesn't exist. Yeah. And then I would pepper in some commentary. It would be a retelling of the entire show with storyboards. And it would be just like, you know, the important moments chronologically. It would read like, you know, like a Parisian graphic novel, like, you know, minimal, there's no dialogue. It's just all, you know, graphic images. And then you would have all of the uh, directors come in and they would all write like, you know, little uh, blurbs and anecdotes about about their, their sequence or about the show, about its impact on their career or what the, the show meant to them. Like you'd have Mike Barker, Carrie Scoglin would come back, and Florian Zigismondi. Yeah. Can you give us your PayPal? Like, what, how do we get this yeah. demo? <laughs> like, I'm, yeah. This is like a, a parallel universe. Okay. Uh, Doctor Strange appeared in my office yeah, yeah, here yeah, and he's yeah. like, oh, in the parallel universe, you had a really <laughs> sick book and everyone loved it. But I, in our universe, I don't know, because I don't know if you guys are paying attention. We live in a kind of a hellish shit universe <laughs> lately, so I, who knows? It's too good for this universe. So we are all ready to pay in that hypothetical universe. We've already sent you the money in the hypothetical yeah. universe. $49.95 at Barnes & Noble, you know. Yes, yeah. Sold. That's way less than I was ready to pay for that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Right before some holidays I think that's a very good idea. Make sure it's available down under because that's not fair. I'll send it to you, Kimberly. It'll take like months, but I'll get it to you. In, in that like alternate universe, actually, we, we went down to Sydney and we were doing a signing there. And it was a huge lineup of people and we were doing signings. Oh. It was it was a great time. And I get a free <laughs> I get a free book, right? With your signature. 100 yeah. percent with a sketch in it too. Personalized sketch. Oh, that's not fair. Now you gotta do it for everybody. <laughs> <All right. laughs> That's wait, that's what you could do at Comic Con. You could have the books, sell the books, and then do yeah. a sketch and yes. pay like an extra 50 bucks to have like a sketch in the front. Yeah. More than that. Do you want to be my agent? Because I need an agent. <laughs> uh, you know, I have an opening here. I feel like we would be good agents. If I can go to Comic Con with you, sold. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so sorry, Tina. Sorry, we got off on a tangent there. Hi, thank you for joining us. Um, so my question is, uh, do you only do storyboards for specific scenes? Like, you don't, do you do them for the whole episode or just specific scenes in an episode? And what would make a scene particularly worthy of having a storyboard created for it? I do work on only specific scenes. And what makes the scene worthy of needing storyboards generally boils down to, um, is it a VFX shot? Is it going to be shot outdoors like on location? Will it be, um, you know, will there be a stunt involved? Or sometimes is it going to be like just difficult with like a lot of actors? Like a, it could be a blocking issue where you have a lot of people to manage and you're going to have like limited time and you need to plan out every shot, you know, very precisely and once again it, um, it's all about the budget it's about communicating the uh, the director's idea to the crew the department heads so that everyone's on the same page it's it's a visual script essentially it's your first look at the show and it's um the pitch on what the director wants to do so if you want to have a car chase you storyboard it because you have to have cars you have to have cameras you have to have drones following them and you know 
camera cars with like cranes mounted to them, like crazy, you know, it's all expensive. If you show up on set and you don't have a plan and you have all of these people standing around and lighting and, you know, there's hundreds of people on set. You have to have a plan. You have to know exactly what you want to get. And that's what the storyboard, that's where they come in. That's what, why they're so valuable. Yeah. Now I do add all like, you know, an extra layer of detail and, and rendering because I'm a neurotic OCD person and I, have, I want to make them look like insanely good as, as, as best to my ability. So what that does, that, that, that can be like confidence building as well. Maybe the director comes on the show and they are intimidated. They don't have a lot of experience or, or, or they're just like, you know, like it's a new show, a new crew. They don't know anybody. And I try to like the first sequence, I try to make it look really cool and really sell their idea. And then that usually like it, it helps build confidence as well. So that's the, really the role that the storyboards serve. It's just to get everybody on the same page. No pun intended. <laughs> you never use that, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, what has been the most difficult scene for you to create a storyboard for? Do you have one in mind in particular that was exceptionally hard to just get done or get your vision across? Um, definitely the early stuff, like seasons one and two, because working with Mike Barker and Colin, they are my friends in real life, like outside of work, like I love them. Uh, we still keep in contact. I still work on their projects. So I'm not talking shit, but God damn it. They, ha- they plan some crazy, intricate camera moves. And it's like four dimensional shit they're planning. Like a very, uh, it's like beyond Kubrickian. I don't even know how to describe it. And like weird parallaxing camera moves and like wrapping around. And like, it's just insane levels of choreography that they have in their heads. And then Mike will give me his notes. And sometimes we're just, it's just verbal. He's just telling, he's just describing it to me and I'm trying to sketch it. And it's a quick turnaround. And uh, those were always very uh, exciting times, but also stressful. And like a lot of late nights to figure it out because like he's, he's a mad genius, Mike Barker, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I would hand him the boards in and he's like, you know, fucking nailed it or like <laughs> fix that. Blah, blah, blah. And then I would just, you know, rush to redraw uh, whatever it could be, like whatever crazy, uh, you know, handheld steady cam oneer he had planned. So those were always the most difficult just because of his vision he has. This was so uh, awesome and interesting and abstract. If it's anything like, you know, explosions or fight sequences, guns, yeah. you know, like that's easy. That, that shit's easy. It's just like, it's making like the more artistic, pushing the boundaries of cinema. Like those are the ones that are more challenging. Gotcha. There's no frame of reference for a lot of the shots that Mike and, and, and Colin were coming up with. Like mm-hmm. I couldn't look at like Ida or I couldn't look at like, um, you know, I don't know, some seventies like art house film, you know, John Goddard, whatever. Yeah. Kurosawa. I, there's no frame of reference for me. I, like, he's making it up. It's yeah. like brand new. Yeah. Maybe, maybe never before seen in cinema. So th- those are always challenging and I have to use my imagination and it's like, don't make me use my imagination. Just let me draw. <laughs> let me, let me reference something. <laughs> right. Well, thank you very much. That was awesome. You're great. This has been fun. It's been amazing to listen to. Thank you. So interesting. You. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. Um, Julia, are you out there? Hi. Hey, nice to meet you. I'm super excited about you and your interview because I draw a lot and I designed our logos and headers. Is that on a cup? Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. That's a great, you have great line work. That is amazing. I kind of realized because this is the reason I came into the fandom um, that there's not a lot of fan art kind for Handmaid's Tale. I don't know if you're interested in something like this or if you kind of look that up. Always. 
You know, uh, actually, on, in season two, in the um, the break room, our refrigerator was covered in fan art that had been sent in. Oh, um, that's cool. It was Very like cool. com- completely covered, like thousands of pieces all over the office. It was amazing. That's nice. That's really cool. Do you have an Instagram? I do. Please add me and I will follow you back. I can plug my Instagram. Uh, it's the at symbol. And then it's my last name, which is Dara, D-E-R-R-A-H. And it's awesome. Yeah. Like Daredevil or Derriere. <laughs> what do you, do you go by Dara in real life or you go by Michael? I go by Dara and that's because like I have a huge ego. It's like, you know, Madonna has a one word name. Yeah. No, we can tell. No, yeah. no, no. When I was a growing up, I had like eight friends named Michael. And we all uh-huh. just went by our last name. It's like, you know, Michael. Yeah. And they have like four heads turn around with, the, with the, you know, who are you talking to? Michael is such a common name. And I love the name. I, like, I'm not ashamed of my name. But so I just, I got so used to being called that. And I would introduce yeah. myself as that. Even my teachers at school would call me Dara. I like the name Dara. I like Fucking it. And Dara's late for class again. And that's, it just stuck. And it became like my, in, in a way, like my brand. Like, it's just like, I don't know. What am I going to name my, like, my handle? Like, you know, Wizard. Dot com like i don't like I just, it's just my name like whatever yeah. dara is perfect crazyboards.com <laughs> <laughs> what is your dream like what would you really love to draw my dream is to storyboard my own live action film like i would just mm. draw it like you know like ridley scott he storyboarded yeah. alien right if you yeah. google alien storyboards ridley scott that's my dream i've always wanted to direct and i have like directed stuff but not I'm not like in the way I want to direct it. Like like, I Uh want to do like a film, like a real film. So that's my dream to storyboard my own film. But if I don't do that, my dream project would be to storyboard that secret movie on the horizon that I mentioned earlier. Sounds promising. That's going to be a dream project. If it, if it happens. And then uh, oh, that's a really good question, to be honest. I mean, I don't know. Because like some of my favorite films, I don't even think were storyboarded. They were all like the director just showed up and like, yeah. he or she, they, they just they just kind of like looked at the world around them and they just kind of captured it in the moment. Yeah. Very uh, ad hoc. What are some of your favorites? Some, some of your favorite films? Yeah. You asked Kimberly. You got to answer now. Ooh. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of the 70s stuff. Like De Palma for sure. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to be sound like hacky and like cliche, but like, you know, Kubrick, oh, Kubrick. Like, of course, everybody loves Kubrick. He's like <laughs> absolute genius, like IQ of like 190 or something. I mean, I like, um, I like movies from like the 60s, like the late 60s. I like a lot of old stuff and I like a lot of hard house cinema. I like all like all the cliches that art house nerds will, will, will say, like Criterion Collection people. I love all mm. of that shit. It's very informative to me. Oh, the Criterion Collection subscription is beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> we have the like online subscription thing. It's impeccable. Yeah, it's great. But what's like in my heart, like what really got me yeah. to like pursue it was like, you know, definitely 80s movies like The Terminator, yeah. Aliens, mm-hmm. Robocop, like Robocop. I have like giant, like, you know, shrine to Robocop behind me. Like Paul Verhoeven is my, like one of my favorite directors. Mm. He's the Dutch madman film director. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like, I love the first Lethal Weapon, like Richard Donner, or, you know, written by Shane Black. Oh, yeah. those movies are some of my favorites. I think I love those movies. All of them are, are great, but the first one is like, yeah, it's just it's so amazing. fucking good. Um, the, the first Die Hard, I love Die Hard with a Vengeance. Like, mm-hmm. 
you know, I love, I love that kind of shit. Like, I just love it. Like, I, I just deeply have a deep love and admiration for those movies. Uh, I, I think it's the nostalgia. Yeah. But it's also the craftsmanship. Like, you look at a movie like Predator with Arnold, and like, look at the cast, right? It's like Jesse the Body Ventura, Bill Duke. Like, Bill Duke's a real actor. He's phenomenal. But you have like John McTiernan come in, and he takes this premise of like army guys in the jungle when there's like an alien and he's hunting them for sport. And it, it's like ridiculous. It sounds like a B movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But with his craftsmanship, he elevated that movie into becoming like a masterpiece. Like it's phenomenal. Like the camera work, the way every shot is composed with like the foliage behind, like there's no boring shots, no repetitive shots. And like there's a jungle. It's just a trees in the background. <laughs> yeah. But every shot is like unique and original. And like the, he got a performance of Arnold. That's like his best performance. Like he, he, yeah. he actually acts in the movie, like phenomenally. He's not just a movie star. And I love, I'm a huge Arnold fan. I was watching um, something about Predator the other day and it was saying that Van Damme was supposed to be in that movie, but he got fired. Oh, Um, yes. Yeah, that's true. He was going to play the Predator in a rubber, like, insect suit. Yes, yeah, yeah. It looked so weird. Yeah, it looked so weird. See, I think that's, that's like, the time period where I feel like there was still so much practical stuff in movies. Like, it wasn't all CG. So it was, like, a good mix of, like, a lot of really cool props and costumes. And, yeah, uh, mm-hmm. that's kind of, like, the the transitional phase was like the eighties and nineties. Right. So maybe that's part of why we think about that period, that time period. So fondly because it's, just a way that movies look that they don't look anymore. Yeah, it was like, you know, majority of, of what you see in the camera, like when you're looking to the viewfinder, like you're getting that on the film, right? The 35 millimeter film. Right. It's all in camera and it just, it looks so much better. The same light is hitting the Predator that is that that's hitting Arnold's, so it all matches. Mm-hmm. Um, it just it feels so organic, you know, like, yeah, you can't, repli- right. you can't replace like really good practicals with CG. I'm, I'm like one of those purists. Like yeah. I don't even like digital cameras. Like I think they're like all <laughs> shit. Like they're they're good, but they, they look amazing nowadays. Like they're phenomenal. Like the color correction, everything. But there's something about film that just looks better. And I'll argue that till the end of time, it just looks better. It's like vinyl records recorded up with analog. Yeah, digital recording. Because like, what is it? It's a computer observing the world and it's interpreting what it's seeing and putting it into like electronic data but film you're capturing the literal photons of the room on the on the negative so it's literally like a hologram of like the the actual environment when they were filming it's like you're right. seeing it projected on a wall it's incredible through crystals and shit it's like magic i think my only argument there is like that i can make a movie now because of digital you know what i mean i guess there's yes. benefits and negatives and positives to that but that definitely like it has democratized film for yeah. sure, a hundred percent. Like I, I think they're amazing, yeah. But you know, there's a there's a part of me that's like, nah. If it's like, if it's not true film, like if it's not really actually shot in thirty five or sixteen, super sixteen millimeter looks great. Yeah, I mean, we still will like travel to theaters that project things in film, and it's definitely really cool to do that sometimes. So yeah, yeah. you seem to have like some really good insights in in those processes of how like to develop a script and stuff like this so I was wondering if you always wanted to do the work you do now because you just said like when you were younger you wanted to write comics and and stuff Mm. like this so how did you slip into this profession you are doing now Ooh, that's like a long story it's a it's a weird interesting story so like film I kind of came into film like sideways like I was uh I went to school for classical Disney animation and it was like a four-year-long program and all my instructors were ex-Disney animators and layout artists so I had that that education I was doing uh drawing every frame with pencil on on a light box and flipping the pages 
just like they did back in the 1930s, 1940s, 50s. Wow, that's awesome. When Beauty and the Beast, Snow White. Like I, I was learning that technique, right? And then uh, throughout that education, I eventually transferred, uh, transitioned to digital. Like that was, they were updating the course as I was in the course because I was right at the cusp of two, uh, 2D animation was leaving and 3D was coming in like Pixar. This was back in like the 2000s. Yeah. So I, but, but the education was so great. Like I, taught, I learned so much about filmmaking, more of theory, like of character story structure because animation and film are, are inherently the same. It's just that your tools are different, right? Like animation, you're just drawing everything. Film, you're shooting with cameras, but your scripts and your story and your character and your performance, they all have to be like, incredible right like that should be what is emphasized so i graduated from school and then i was doing some advertising and i was doing freelance for a little while and then i um was content and i always wanted i wanted to break into film but i had no connections really and i had just moved to toronto i was in oakville which is outside of toronto it's a small community with a school where i went to and um i was contacted by this writer and he's like Amazon.com, the book, online book retailer and retail shop, you know, Amazon, like Jeff Bezos, <laughs> he, he's opening like a film studio. It's called Amazon Studios. And he's like, they're having this contest where for a whole year, every single month, they're going to have a contest. You can submit your own film and they, they'll be a panel of judges from the Hollywood. They're going to judge the best film and whatever film wins, you get like a cash prize and you get like, you know, publicity. And they get the option that Amazon will make your movie. You know, they'll greenlight your movie if they they'll have the option to. That's awesome. So yeah, a screenwriter from Toronto contacted me and he hired me. And then uh, I ended up directing two feature-length storyboard films. They're they're animated, like fully animated. Uh, they were made built using storyboards, and I edited them and I did all the sound design and mixing. Wow. I learned all this in my animation school. Me and the writer. You know, we directed the voice actors. He, he co-directed with me, but I did the majority of like editing. I did all like the hard labor, right? He wrote the script. We took co-credit. So we, we did two of these films in a matter of months. And we both times, yeah. they both won this Amazon Studios contest. And it was like, we got like publicity on like Hollywood Reporter and all this That's shit. That's amazing. And I'm like living on my friend's couch um, at, at the time. Like I had been out of school and I was like, I had, you know, I, I was just living on their couch and I had my little setup in the corner of the office with my little drawing shit, whatever. And then I went back to, and then that was like really cool. Like I was like, Whoa, like if I can win this contest, maybe I can make it in film. Like this is great demo reel material and like great for a resume. Yeah. So then I'm doing freelance stuff and I make a LinkedIn profile page because all my friends from school were doing that. And I'm like, LinkedIn is like, that's for like financial people. Uh, <laughs> that's for like techies. Like that's for white collar people. Yeah. I'm, I'm like an <laughs> artist. Artists typically don't advertise on like LinkedIn. Like as far no. as I was aware at the time, but yeah. I made a profile anyways. that said I was a storyboard artist for film and television, blah, 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 blah. So then I just randomly get a, this call out of the blue and it's um, a production designer from Toronto named uh, Robin Realis. And he's like, he's like, hello. He's like, you're a storyboard artist. He's like, I need a storyboard artist. There's none in the city. Like they're all, you know, Suicide Squad with Margot Robbie and Will Smith. They're, it's filming. Yeah. And we have no, there's nobody else uh, available because that, that movie sucked up all of the local talent. Right. It did suck. And he's like, oh, would you be able to come in? Do you have a portfolio? And, and I'm like, I'm like, I'm like a nobody from the outside. And um, he just kind of took a chance and he just basically cold called me, you know? And I sent him my portfolio and he looks at it and he's like, where the hell have you been? Like, this is phenomenal. You should have been in the industry for years, like just working like, Aww. what the hell? Like, you're, you're amazing. He gave me a, like, you know, brain, he had some very nice things to say. And I was very happy. That's amazing. Like, thankful, you know? Anyways, so, okay. So I go in and I have my first meeting and he's like, okay, we're shooting a pilot here for, it's for Emblem Entertainment and Fox. 20th century fox and he's like i'd like you to meet our director and then out comes this british dude super cool his name's mark mylod 
Uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with like Shameless oh, or the show Succession, Succession. or Game of, Game of Thrones. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're podcasting Succession right now. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. He, yeah. He's, he's directed like most of these and the executive producer on the show. He did Shameless? I didn't realize that. That's cool. Yeah, he did like, oh, like a ton of episodes. So I sit down with Mark and I show my portfolio. You know, I have like a paper printed version. And then we and immediately just start talking about movies that we like. It's just shooting a shift like two and a half hours. And like, we just like totally hit it off. Become like good friends. Like, in, and just in like that first day, because we're talking about like obscure movies that we like. And yeah. he's, I love that movie though. And then we're talking about like specific scenes that yeah. like maybe you wouldn't pick up on or you may, I don't know. We just had a, a great mind meld. And then, yeah, I worked on this pilot with him. This is my first job ever. And then, it, you know, it worked out really well. I did all these action sequences. He was very, you know, he's like, he's, it turned out really well. So then he disappears. He goes back to uh, LA or whatever. I get my second job with through Robin, the uh, production manager. And then I'm working away, blah, blah, blah. I'm working with BG. He's like the famous uh, director. He did like Terminator Salvation. He's an awesome dude. Nice. And then I get this call from uh, from Mark and he's like, hey, Michael, he's like, uh, are you busy? I'm back in Northern Ireland. Game of, I'm back on Game <laughs> of Thrones. Would you like to come work with on Game of Thrones with me? Yes. It's like my third job ever. I've only been in film for like six months. Oh my God. That's insane. This is season six. So this is when each episode, well, as it was being aired, was, you know, 100 million viewers. The height of, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Like, it was the talk of like the, the planet. Like yeah. everyone Everyone was on game, having Game of Thrones fever at this time. Yes. So I'm like, I'm mm-hmm. like, uh, I'm living on a couch still. I'm still living on a couch in like this apartment in <laughs> Toronto on my front, my buddy's couch. And then I'm like, Game of Thrones, like, holy, like, F-U-C-K. Holy shit. That honestly is mind-blowing. Yeah. I can't believe that. It was your third job. Maybe I need to get myself a bed. What it was like story. Willy Wonka, you know? Like, that's, it really was. Like, it, it was incredible. Like, I, I was having, like, an ex- existential crisis. I'm like, yeah. this is my only my third job. And I'm already, like, on the biggest show. Yeah, like, wow. What does that, what does that mean? Like, I'm like... I'm not a really religious person, but I'm like, is there, is there like someone looking out for me here? Like, this is fucking nuts. I'm fucking amazing. And I'm like eating bologna sandwiches and shit. Like I'm poor <laughs> you know, at this point. And then I it just, when the scripts came in, I signed the contract with HBO and like, I didn't even think amazing. about it. I'm just like, I'm going to approach this. Like I would be doing my own film or like me and my friend are making like a little yeah. indie project. And like, I mean, me and Mark were, I had like a great rapport. Like we would do Zooms. For, I'd be in Toronto. He's in Northern Ireland. And like, we just kept it very simple, like two friends just working on a simple problem. And then I didn't, I couldn't look at the mountain, you know, I had to keep looking at my feet Yeah, yeah. going up totally. the little path and then boom. And then like got great reviews, the episode and, and then they brought, he brought me back for the next season. Amazing. So that was crazy. And then, okay. So then, you know, maybe about like six or seven projects in then, uh, Handmaid's Tale happens. Uh, the rest is. is history. And I've been on it ever since. So how many like if you, if you compare like the percentage of movies or shows that do like the drawn scripts like you do and the people who don't or the productions who don't like do you have any insights on that as well i mean i think most shows nowadays like over a certain kind of budget threshold they will all use storyboard artists in some capacity okay because almost everything involves visual effects Mm-hmm. yeah every every because visual effects have been have been uh the cost has been lowered so any any show no matter the budget they can they can always afford something vfx wise and you know storyboard artist is a great way to uh to plan it out with your actors your location etc mm-hmm. mm-hmm. so once again yeah i think i think that's and also you, you also look at marvel studios marvel studios has this like murderer's row of storyboard artists like they're the best <laughs> the best from LA, la they all work 
um, at Marvel headquarters in like Santa Monica and they will design the film. Like whatever Marvel film is coming out, they design the bulk of the film, all of the action sequences, this team <laughs> of storyboard artists. And then they hire the director. The director comes in, they direct the actors and like they're, they're like the intimate performance moments, the humor moments. Uh-huh. But the majority of the film has already been like completely designed. <laughs> the artists are driven. That's yeah. amazing. Because it's like Kevin Feige is the guy, right? He's, he's the overseeing producer. Yeah. And then he uh, dictates the, the this massive team of storyboard artists to create the film. Crazy. And then the director really comes cool. in, they, they do the, the live action stuff and, uh, you know, tie it all together. They have a very interesting system. And so uh, because of the Marvel model, you're seeing a lot more of this like, the storyboard artist position is like finally getting, you know, growing also. It's more, it's becoming more elevated and like just a little bit more uh, appreciation, I guess, or respect. Yeah. So it's kind of nice. You know, I think, you know, we work hard. We try to do the best work we can. So we deserve a little bit of credit, I think. That's incredible. Of course. Yeah. I mean, you, cr- you help create the Handmaid's Tale world kind of, and thank you for that. I mean, a little bit. I mean, like, like I said, I, I'm definitely uh, on, on Handmaid's Tale. I'm, the director's dictating everything and I'm just drawing their vision and I'm just trying to spice it up and make it look as perfect as I can. But like all credit is to the directors on this show and the screen and the script writers and Bruce and, and of course, Lizzie who ties everything together. Yeah. I'm never, mm-hmm. I would never take credit for anything like that, but, but you know, like storyboard artists were always overlooked. We're never given credits. Usually most storyboard artists are not part of union, like in Canada. That's bullshit. Yeah. We should like, you know, I don't know. It's crazy. Let's protest. That is crazy. I mean, that's insane. That's such a huge part of the process that I, that's shocking to yeah. me. In, in the States, they are part of the union. And it's, yeah. it's good for people to understand this process and this kind of like maybe misunderstood job that I have. Uh, and I also pitched an art department book as well. That would be cool. And yeah. uh, that was going to be like a collaboration of me and Elizabeth Williams. Oh, amazing. Where we, yeah. uh, you know, Elizabeth Williams was making like, you know, really cool maquettes of like, you know, like the eyes compound. Like she was building <laughs> yeah. these detailed models, like very old school, like awesome, like yeah. tangible uh, craftspersonship. That's cool. And then, you know, you had um, like Adriana, she built like the, the ballet sets. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That was amazing yeah and then we have like auto graphics people like sean and melissa and uh, liam like they're phenomenal at doing graphics so like mm-hmm. why not compile all that together all the concept paintings i've done throw them in there as well and uh, like julia's sets costumes the picture cars like everything like put it all into a huge but like yeah approach it from a different like stylistic aesthetic than that first book yeah, yeah. i think y'all should also like open a space for all of this stuff too people can like go see you know yeah. like at the end of the show have like a mm-hmm. like a universal Gallery. style like yeah like you go in you walk through a warehouse you look at all the like props and the like a museum costumes a museum of. yeah like a handmaid's museum that could be there for like a temporary you know a year or something afterwards that you could go look at that's yeah. like a really good idea like that's i mean like, <laughs> are you sure do you want to be my agent like i do i would love to no, I, i'll pitch that like for real like that's a phenomenal idea i mean like when i pitch something like it doesn't mean anything like me pitching something means nothing just so you know like don't have high hopes but uh you know what like that <laughs> But they could do like a pop-up or something, you know? If we if we all come together and we're like, listen, we <laughs> yeah. need to, people are ready for this. We just have to like we strengthen numbers, like you know, social media just be like, we want this, like make it happen. Like this would be incredible. Yeah. A mm-hmm. pop-up that that you know, with like mannequins that have like the, the handmade garb, like that'd be phenomenal. Yeah, exactly. Really cool. So um my final questions are to put in one of two our members who couldn't be here today so um one is from Scarlett who lives in um, Puerto Rico and one is from Raquel she's Spanish what do you use for inspiration and what is the most challenging part 
in this whole process you do? Uh, for inspiration, I mean, the like, uh, I mean, now, like, you know, the inspiration is the show itself. I'll look on past episodes that I loved for visual inspiration. But at the same time, you don't want to repeat yourself. You, you want the show to evolve every season and not like become a cliche of itself. And like inspiration just comes from like, it's just a collage of movies I've grew up with, movies I'm into, movies the directors are into that they, you know, they may bring up a reference to a, a, a single shot, a lighting scheme or like a camera move that they love. And um, when it comes to like my artistic technique itself, I am in, informed by like, you know, comic book artists that I grew up with. I like to add a lot of chiaroscuro and shadow to the characters and really like etch them out. Mm-hmm. So it's, there's a lot of like life drawing theory. Mm-hmm. Like when you're drawing life, like from a live model, you use like a Conte crayon and you really etch it out with light as opposed to mm-hmm. just doing lines only. Like you, you really try to, to sculpt them. Mm-hmm. And there's a great, a phenomenal genius artist in Toronto named Dan Milligan. Uh, he's a storyboard artist as well. And he is like, He's like a Renaissance artist born in the wrong century. This guy should be, uh, should have been born in Italy in the 1400s. <laughs> he is like a, a, a universal talent and he's been a huge inspiration to me. So I'm going to give him a shout out. Like I have definitely like looked at his storyboards and, you know, uh, maybe I'll try a little bit of that technique. You know what I mean? He's <laughs> like, he's the goat. So uh, shout out to Dan Milligan. Uh, that, that guy is my absolute hero. But yeah, a lot of comic book artists, like even Frank Miller, who did like the Dark Neighbor Turns and like Sin City, mm-hmm. you know, a little bit oh, of yeah. Frank Miller mm-hmm. rawness in there. Like I love Frank Miller. He's like one of my goats as well. Yeah. And he does the kind of the splashes of red too, Frank Miller. Oh yeah. That's, that's a little, you know, a little that's really cool. Stylistically, you know, cause like you want the cape to like handmaid's dress. You want it to pop a little. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta have that stand out. It feels very desaturated, but the red always stands out. So you want to emphasize that. Totally. Like, you know, I get real artsy with it, even though it's not necessary. I just like to get a little artsy. It's, it's perfect. That, those are my influences for sure. I, there's a million other influences I could probably mention and even Colin watch it seeing Colin's footage back in the early days how he composes his shots the lens choices yeah. I'm like oh I get it I get the show now I get it <laughs> and um so I always think back to what would Colin do what would Zoe do uh, <laughs> and then uh, and when I'm working with Nicola she'll bring something new so like it's always evolving mm-hmm. and Stuart Stuart Campbell Stuart Biddlecombe we have some amazing cinematographers in the show yeah, yeah. The show yeah. is just—I'm amazed. And actually, uh, my good friend Tom Henderson—he's the gaffer. Yeah. He um ended up shooting the barn. Yeah. I'm very happy for him. So beautiful. Yeah. We hear his name lots. He's well loved, it seems. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry we kept you so long. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. Yeah. It's very, very interesting. I really appreciate you guys putting this podcast on. I think it's like phenomenal. Um, oh. Thank you. I, uh, I will definitely, um, I can't wait to hear the next episode. Like I, uh, I've been listening to your episodes, so. It'll be you, bro. It'll be you. <laughs> yeah. You're our next one. We definitely would love to talk to you again when we start season six. So yeah. We want you back next year. Yeah, for sure. definitely. You want me back? I'll, I'll come back. We'll have you back for sure. I, I, lo- I would love it. If you don't mind me ranting and like shouting and swearing and drinking coffee and vaping no, and no. all my idiosyncrasies that's all the vibe we're going for here i love it yeah. yeah we can switch to beer actually next time after a couple hours i'm so down for that <laughs> oh my god all right have a great day uh go do star trek i guess but thank you for yeah. sparing us a very long lunch hour thank you for your time Live long and prosper that's right under his eye everybody bye bye, bye. bye.